So my text tonight is taken from the Gospel uh, according to Matthew, chapter 12 and verse 42, and those amazing words, amazing words, uh, a greater than Solomon is here, a greater than Solomon is here. But I will be preaching mainly, as you can imagine, from 1 Kings 10, because we have to know who Solomon was, we have to know what was going on with the Queen of Sheba, the Queen of Sheba. In Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol, granted a strange illustration for the heat. Do you remember the character called Marley? Marley, Jacob Marley. And you'll remember throughout the very beginnings of the book that this figure, Jacob Marley, appears in very strange places. One minute, he's in the mind, as it were, where Scrooge, the miser, hits a dressing gown, thinking that he's there. And the famous bit is the knocker on the door. Do you remember when most of you have at least seen one of the films, I'm sure the Muppets probably, or <laughs> the Alistair Sim version is my favorite. The knocker transforms into his face. And when you read that passage in that very wintry, I'm trying to cool you down here, in that very wintry Christmassy book, Jacob Marley is trying to say something to Ebenezer Scrooge. He's appearing at times. He's trying to get him to think, isn't he? Get him to think. And in a similar vein, the Queen of Sheba appears throughout the scripture or is alluded to or um, hinted at, is, uh, is the word, uh, that we should take note of this queen. We shouldn't pass her by as a kind of trivial historical figure. I don't know if you liked history in school. No, perhaps the most important instance of her appearance is in the text that we have in Matthew 12, where the Jews wanted a sign, didn't they? It wasn't good enough that Christ was there in front of them. And the Jews wanted a sign to verify Jesus' claims, didn't they? And Christ actually rebukes them, if you look at the text. He rebukes two sorts of people. This is my introduction now. Uh, the recurring queen. And he rebukes these two sorts of people. The first type are those who hear the gospel, but were not brought to humiliation and repentance. And he uses Jonah and that context for another sermon. And secondly, those who have not the curiosity enough to hear the gospel, or if they do hear it, they can't be bothered to go and investigate it. And that's where our figure, the Queen of Sheba, is brought forth in that very vivid scenario. He reminds them of the Queen of the South. Verse 42 reads, The Queen of the South will be raised at the judgment with this generation and will condemn it because she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And indeed, or oh, look, look, someone greater than Solomon is here. Jesus was making the point that if this woman came and heard the type or the shadow 
of the Lord Jesus Christ. How serious it is for them to not come and hear the real thing, the real king. So who was this queen? Who was she? And where is she from? Honestly, it doesn't matter. <laughs> um, the historical details are interesting. Arabia, Ethiopia, but it doesn't really matter. Because the, historically, the book of one kings was always meant to be read in the vein of prophecy. A God-authorized version of how we should view real history. And the arrival of the Queen of Sheba isn't just a, a kind of gap year for this, uh, I assume she was young, but the text doesn't tell us that, or a holiday for a historical Arab leader. No, no, the Bible includes hints of this story again and again for good reason. She represents a pagan admiring and acknowledging from afar. And you have that through the Old Testament, these figures who are looking in from the outside, and they're usually overwhelmed by the God of Israel. So Solomon himself prophetically captures this divine wooing that we see in the Old Testament, these Gentiles coming close to God. And Solomon says in chapter 8 of 1 Kings, Moreover, concerning a foreigner who is not of your people Israel, but has come from a far country for your name's sake, Solomon got it, look, for they will notice, notice this, hear of your great name and your strong hand, and your outstretched hand. They hear, they come, and they worship. So to summarize, the Bible is saying, pay attention to this woman. Pay attention to her. She's not just a historical figure. She's for you, as well as for the Jews in the first century AD. So, it feels Arabian here tonight, doesn't it? We're going to follow the Queen of Sheba as she comes. Well, she doesn't come first, does she? What, what does the text tell us in 1 Kings 10? Now, when the Queen of Sheba heard, heard. That's my first point now. She hears about the king. And then, secondly, we're taken on a quest. She comes, doesn't she? She doesn't just stay at home enjoying sherbet and watermelons. No, she comes to the king. And she doesn't just come, but thirdly, she also communes with the king. This is not a Buckingham, Garden Palace, Buckingham Palace Garden Party. The king invites her in, okay? And finally, she's overwhelmed by the encounter. So she hears, she comes, she communes, and she is overwhelmed. Are you ready? Let's follow her as we trek through the desert, as it were. So first of all, she heard about the king, hearing. Solomon would have been trending. I can see some young people here. Uh, he would have been trending if we're talking about social media at the time. Their tweets would have been the merchants, the Talking. Do you remember that? We used to talk with one another before mobile phones. <laughs> and people like to talk, don't they? 
an Instagram post wasn't needed. It wouldn't have taken long for the uttermost parts of the world, the text tells us, to hear of the glory and splendor of this God-touched king. Gold is mentioned in 1 Kings 10 about 10 times, I think. The writer is going over the top with excitement because he sees something in Solomon just like Sheba is not just this historical figure, she sees, he sees something in Solomon that is overwhelming. It sees something, he sees something of the future messianic kingdom in him. And the word here or hearing, look at verse 1 with me now, is key in this passage. You know, if we were to read it literally, now the queen of Sheba heard the hearing of Solomon. That's the Hebrew here. The nations were hearing about this king who listens, a king who hears, and it results in them praising. The nations, after hearing about this God-touched king, praise that God, Yahweh, the covenant-keeping God. They're intrigued, aren't they? I don't know how many of you are not from church backgrounds here tonight? Are you intrigued yet by what I'm saying? The Bible tells us that she had heard of his fame and that she wanted to question him. Or the Bible goes, the, the language says that she, he, she wanted to test him with riddles. That's interesting, isn't it? Perhaps she was intrigued by the reality of the Lord God. Yahweh and that special relationship that the God had with his people. She heard something splendid. I was watching a travel documentary last week that was set in Split. I don't know if many of you have been to Croatia. And people had heard that two sisters in a cabin had had visions from the Virgin Mary. And I'm not joking now, hundreds and hundreds of people gathered with rosary in hand, tears on their faces. They wanted to hear something spectacular. They get there, and all they get is a woman making a noise in a room. And these poor people are left just with a few trivial words like, I love you. Keep doing this and that, and you'll be okay. That, that's the gist. I'm, my Croatian isn't brilliant. <laughs> that's not wisdom, my friends. The Queen of Sheba had heard about much more than this. So what had Sheba heard about the king? Let's, let's try and use our um, imaginations a little bit by using some of the words in the text. There seems to be an illusion there in verse 1 that... She was intrigued in the way that God revealed himself, and that being through his name, his name. And you can imagine the queen when she was young, back in Sheba, whatever that is, thinking about whispers of this God who favored the Jews, a God who wasn't named by the trees or the clouds or the rock. This was a God who revealed himself as the creator, I am. Do you remember that? The covenant-keeping God. A God who encapsulated wisdom 
and delivered his own special people from the tyrants of Egypt. She'd heard probably about the stories, just like you have heard, haven't you? It's also likely that she'd heard about the blessing and prosperity that Solomon enjoyed and the people of Israel enjoyed. Now, I'm not preaching a health and wealth gospel here tonight, but all good things do come from the Lord God. But it's more than this. Is it likely that she heard about Yeshua, Jesus Christ, the promised deliverer who would never leave, never forsake, never fall, or let his people down? His kingdom would last forever, and you know him by another name, Jesus Christ. And I have news for you tonight of the greater king. I want you to hear it. Stargazers came from the east when they heard about this king. And like Sheba of old, they brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Local shepherds heard, didn't they? They heard the song in the hills. And they, what, what was that song? Well, it was a life-changing song, wasn't it? Glory to God in the highest and peace. Oh, how they desired peace. And this king is greater than Solomon because he was a kind of taster, wasn't he, Solomon, of something to come. And the Bible records how he was a carpenter. A 30-year-old suddenly preaching in the Middle East. It tells us that this figure performs signs and wonders, even raising people from the dead. They heard, they heard, and people were always drawn to Jesus Christ. This, have you heard about Jesus? This man, who was none other than God in the flesh, is still being spoken about tonight. I'm his messenger tonight. And I don't know how much you know about him. I don't know what you think you know about him. But it amazes me that some of you don't even know his name and what his name means, and that he is Savior. He came to sort us out. He came to heal. Are you broken-hearted tonight? The world is broken-hearted, isn't it? Are you broken? He came not like Coldplay sing to fix you. He does fix you. He makes you whole. He came to bear your darkness. Those things that you think none of us know about, and probably none of us do, but one person knows about it. Those skeletons. He takes those skeletons on himself. Oh, he came to bear your penalty. Bearing shame and scoffing rude. Can you say this? In my place, condemned he stood. Seal my pardon with his blood. Do you know it? Hallelujah. What a saviour. For death is only the beginning. But my message tonight is to tell you that this king is death defeater. Have you ever thought of Christ like that? Have you heard like Sheba? Are you intrigued by this king that is death defeater? Think about that for a second. How many nightmares have you had about those last flickering seconds? How many worries have you had? Sleepless, sweaty nights, worried about what comes next. 
Have you heard like sheep? But doesn't it intrigue you that somebody claims to have defeated death? The great amen to death. Oh, my friends, we, it amazes me that we Christians have heard so much about this king. And yet sometimes we're as indifferent as if we're watching an episode of Netflix. My friends, how can we expect them out, those out there, do you remember them? The people of Cardiff, to be excited, to be overwhelmed when we have lost something of the wonder. But secondly, she doesn't just hear, does she? She comes. Notice there, um, she, verse 2, straight away, she came to Jerusalem with a very great retinue. I was staying in the island of Nantucket, as you do, uh, in 2016. And an interesting, it was a difficult week. I was staying in a refuge. And I was playing Scrabble with the editor of the Hello magazine in New Zealand. I'm not claiming any, it's just happened. And I, she heard about my faith and she started thinking, this boy's in a cult. He's been brainwashed. He's been abused, bless him. I said to him, no, I have found the pearl of greatest price. I am happy I have not been brainwashed. I was really discouraged after that meeting because I thought I'd failed the Lord. Little did I know that in the wing of the refuge there was somebody listening. The, the guardian of that refuge, he was eavesdropping and he cornered me that night before I went to bed and he said to me, can I have your address? I was fascinated to hear a little bit of what you said. I want to know more. It's, it's, it's a dream, isn't it? We should all pray for these encounters. And two years went by. Forgive the personal illustration, but it's, there's a point to it. And I was living with two brothers in Long Spears Avenue, and the ring goes on the doorbell. And who was there but this gentleman? And he'd heard something, you see, which impressed him. And he wanted to know more about God. Not about me, but about God. Similarly, the Queen of Sheba came from a distant land. And she's like a child, isn't she? She's excited. Oh, verse 2 mentions her tribute and her grand retinue. I can't help thinking here of the Magi who came with the gold and frankincense and myrrh. They, they too, didn't they? The th not the three wise men. The wise men uh, came to Jerusalem. Yes, I, there's something she didn't just hear. She came. She came. Have you come yet? I don't know how many of you have heard. I know you've heard, but how many times have you heard and still not come? It's a sobering thing. Yes, Solomon was given a vision linked to this wonderful chapter. In Psalm 72, do you remember? The kings of Tarshish and of all the isles will bring presents. The kings of Sheba and Seba will offer gifts. Yes, all kings shall fall down before him. All nations shall serve him. What a future. Will you be there? Will you be there? 
Have you come to him with your heart and your soul? Remember that lovely promise, all that the Father giveth me shall come to me. And him that comes, sorry, it's the, I know it off by heart in the old version. All that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. Isn't that a wonderful promise this evening? Are you excited by that? I came to Jesus. This is probably the most realistic hymn ever. I came to Jesus as I was, weary and worn and sad. Do you remember the next verse? I found in him a resting place. Are you tired tonight? <laughs> the world is tiring. I found in him a resting place, and he, he has made me glad. We are told in the chapter that she came to test him with hard questions. Have you got questions tonight? What is the source of your wisdom? How can I know your God? Why isn't my son converted yet, or my daughter why don't you reveal yourself to me, Lord? We have questions, don't we? Perhaps you're angry at God for something. But for those of you who are not Christians, just come as you are, isn't it? She came. And notice in the verses here, she was satisfied. He washes me clean. He gives me a new song, doesn't he? He conquers my guilt. Aren't you intrigued in this era of fake news to hear something about the good news that Jesus saves? None but Jesus can do helpless sinners good. He is the full embodiment of the wisdom, isn't he? Solomon would not always be wise, as you know. But we are told that he... Jesus Christ is the word of the Father, who is wisdom made tangible, visible, and audible, 1 John 1, verse 1 to 5, who attracts the nations through wisdom manifested through his kingdom. How many of you heard about a, a relative being converted and thinking, good grief, an impossible situation, and then you were intrigued? That's how some members of my family came. But let's follow her. She's heard. She's come now. And she communes, doesn't she? Let's not leave that happy conversation yet. Solomon invites this stranger into his house. If you look at almost straight away, she came to Jerusalem with a very great retinue. And verse 3, they're already talking, aren't they? Already talking. And they talk like family. They talk like friends. In verse 2 there, the uh, AV uses the word commune. It's a lovely word, isn't it? Communion. And the Bible uses pictures such as walking and feasting when it talks about communion. We think of Adam communing with God in the garden. What we're seeing here is Solomon's wisdom made visible in the state dinner which she receives and in the temple service, which kind of fused together in this text. At times it's difficult to see which is Solomon's house and which is the Lord's house. She is gobsmacked, to use that modern word, by the food, by the liturgy, 
by the sacrifice which is hinted at in some of the verses and the servants now when when the text there says servants it doesn't mean um, uh, slaves these are the ministers the ministers what's going on here where Solomon's house and the temple is a replica isn't it of the divine court and what we're told here is that this all-encompassing glory undoes her, undoes her. Perhaps to a similar fashion when Isaiah, when he's there in that vision at the beginning of Isaiah, is undone when he is faced with the Lord God. Sheba's speech in verses 6 to 9 moves from a confession of the greatness of Solomon's wisdom to a recognition of the blessing for those who stand continually before Solomon. Verse 8 there. To a blessing on Yahweh himself who desires Solomon and who gives Israel such a king out of his love. I've no doubt for one moment that this queen is filled with the Holy Spirit in these verses. Verse 9 is deeply prophetic. I've no doubt either that Solomon and Sheba knew something of the Lord Jesus Christ. For how can she judge in Matthew 12 if she does not know or believe something about Messiah? What about us? My friends, we can commune with our Lord today. For the Bible says we are seated in heavenly places and we look forward to a time when we will be face to face, like 1 Corinthians 13 says. If you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and bow down before him tonight, you are a citizen of the kingdom today. And he has promised to be with you. And in many ways, he walks with us, doesn't he? He talks with me along life's narrow way. Oh Lord, fill us that we would again be in awe of this real king. We need the Holy Spirit, don't we? We want to talk more with our Lord. Do you? Do you want to be close to him? Union and communion. And fourthly, to be overwhelmed by God. Do you remember that hymn that we sang? I'll try and remember it now. Oh, that my soul would love to learn thee more. Is this your prayer tonight? Thy beauties trace, thy majesty adore. Live near his heart. This is a closeness, isn't it? Upon his bosom lean, obey his voice, and all his will esteem. This is not a universal privilege. Only those who know him can lean on his bosom. Only those who have him in their heart can live near him in his heart, as it were. Only those who know him and are his can enjoy this peace. This peace. Do not forget the importance of being close to Christ, Christian. But first of all, you have to know him. Do you know him tonight? Have you called on him? Have you heard about him? But do not forget Matthew 12. Do not be dazzled with indifference 
our Lord rebukes, doesn't he? Those who hear the gospel that Jesus Christ came into this world to save sinners. He bore my burden on Calvary so that I would not need to die. That lovely thing the wind keeps saying, he die, me no more die. The good news. Our Lord rebukes those who hear this good news but were not brought to repentance. Repentance. But he also rebukes those who don't have the curiosity. The curiosity. And if they do hear it, don't care enough about it to bother to inquire. Oh, my friends, Jesus Christ is greater than Solomon tonight. His kingdom is forever. He's given me hope. He gave me hope because how we live in a hopeless age, don't we? An age which is dark on many fronts and yet Christ in all his splendor is hopeful. And not that, oh, it might be good. Oh, I hope to be in heaven. Oh, no. Jesus Christ says to us, I am the way. I am the truth. I am your life, the life. Nothing in my hand I bring simply not even to, my, to the cross, simply to him, to him I cling. Naked, come to thee for dress. Helpless, look to thee for grace. Foul, don't try and get better on your own efforts. No, sissy's these words, foul, I to the fountain fly. Wash me, saviour. Do you remember this next bit? Or I die. Or I die. Can you imagine how gutting it would have been if the Queen of Sheba had stayed in Sheba? Oh, my friends, you who have known Christ for so long, call on him again. Draw near to him. Again, helpless, look to him for grace. Come like Sheba did of old and be overwhelmed. Let yourself be amazed again. When was the last time you said, wow? Have you said, wow, or an amen in your heart? Jesus died for me. He is still the day of salvation. Come to him as you are tonight. You've heard about this king. You might not know a lot about him. You might not know about half of what I was talking about tonight. But let me tell you, he's wonderful. He's absolutely amazing. He gives you hope. He gives you life. And if you've just heard, if you forget all that I've said tonight, just remember what I said at the end. Foul I to the Savior fly. Wash me, Savior, or I die. For his name's sake. Amen. Let's pray quickly. Lord, forgive uh, human efforts to try and articulate the wonder of your kingdom, the wonder of the king. And yet, Lord, here we are. Do with us as you will. And Lord, we long to know you more. We long to have a foretaste of glory divine. Oh, fill us, God. Remind us again of the wonder of Calvary, the wonder of that bridge, that cross, that blood, that darkness that changed our darkness into light. May we come tonight as we are, helpless, 
coming to the one who is hope and wisdom embodied. In his name we ask, Jesus Christ. Amen. We'll finish our um, worship tonight by singing, And Can It Be That I Should Gain an Interest? Are you interested tonight in the Saviour's blood? Died he for me. Is that your testimony tonight? I know it's hot, but this hymn, it's a wonderful hymn, isn't it? Let's see if we can worship the Lord right now as we close this time of worship. Uh, Hymn 524, if you're at home.
Oh Lord, thank you that there's such a sermon in that hymn that we who are yours, our chains have fallen off. We are free and we can come boldly now before the throne of grace, washed in the divine blood of Jesus Christ the righteous. Foul I to the fountain fly, wash me, Saviour, or I die. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and throughout this week and forevermore. Amen.